Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What a beautiful time of worship that was. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you, um, team, and uh, for all of you here this evening. Um, undeniable, undeniable presence of God in the room. And uh, a beautiful time of worship together. And um, welcome to those who are watching from home. And uh, welcome to those who are live in the room, um, just so that people at home know. There are still seats here, and uh, if you wanted to nip down here quick, feel free to join us. But you have to register first. There we go. So um, last week, um, Camille was sharing uh, on a new series of thoughts she had week one. Let me put this on that side. She was sharing on week one of our Gather Family and Build Team Thoughts. And um, this is about us um, looking for our next few weeks, what that looks like, how that will look for each and every one of us, what that will look like for the communities around us, what it will feel like as we come back into this place where we're building the church that Jesus said he would build, out playing our part, outworking what that looks like. Um, and it's just so, for me, exciting and um, by faith believing for an incredible wave of the, the presence of God, the incredible move of God amongst us again. So this being week two, um, I just really want to focus on the next few thoughts. Um, and then we're going to go into week three, week four, and then we're going to do our evening together online. So we won't be here on uh, May the 16th. We'll be at home and uh, we will just share a whole bunch of things that are happening, what's taking place and uh, the vision for where we're going. It's so good to see you tonight. Well done for coming out. Bless you. Really good. Um, just sort of to detract for a moment. Um, we haven't seen Irene for a few weeks, so it's absolutely brilliant. Um, we are the body of Christ. Spiritually, we are his body. He is the head and we are his body here on the earth. And that means that as we begin to gather and as we come to, to, together in, 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 in the new way, and it will be a new way of doing things for, for us all, um, we, we just want to share with you those things on that particular night. So get ready for what is about to happen. We believe that this is a significant moment. You know, never in the history of mankind have we experienced what we've experienced in this last year. Our Sunday, you know, as a church, we've, we've done all we can to try and keep us connected in some way or another. You know, we, we increased our connect groups from three to six. Um, we've done our online services. We've done Sunday night local for people to come out to. Um, we've done connect groups um, in all over the place. And I just want to thank Phil and Carmen. I want to thank Juliet and Charles and who was the other one that started theirs up during this time? Malcolm, Malcolm and Leah, yes. Um, it's just absolutely brilliant that people stepped up. And, uh, you know, there's plenty of places to go around and we, we've facilitated it. Whether they've filled them or not is a different matter. But we've made it available. Uh, we've run prayer meetings and Bible studies. We've included maintenance days and work parties. We even try to make them sound good. Work parties. <laughs> Um, you know, anything to try and encourage this connection 
Uh, we've done phone calls and we've done the care in hands ministry. And we wanted to keep the family of church. Because ultimately what you see on the, on the banner as you come in, we are family church. We are the family of church. And we really want to, to keep that family feel. We want to keep that momentum going in each of our lives. And we've tried to do that the best we can. But now it's about gathering. It's about us coming back into this environment where the church family, we build teams, we come back together, and then we press into our future. And you know, regardless of what the naysayers are saying around the world, um, or the prof prophecies of doom, I believe our best days, the best days for the church are still ahead of us because the former and the latter rain has not yet been poured out upon the earth. And we're a part of, I believe, that generation where the former and the latter rain will come together and the outpouring of God's spirit will fill the earth and, and something remarkable will happen. And the heads of many will turn to God again. I believe that is yet still to come. And as prayers and as believers in the house, we can usher in a move of God that is, that is so powerful and will change communities. And I'm believing for our community here that we will see a significant move of God in this place that will filter throughout the town. I'm, not, you know, I'm, I'm excited about that. You know, and I'm not saying oh, it's just because we've turned up or because of the work that's gone on before, the years of prayer. I believe that, that, that what, is God, what God is bringing together at this particular moment is going to be a significant moment in this town. Galatians says this, Galatians chapter 10, uh, sorry, Galatians chapter 10, Galatians chapter 6 verse 10 says this. So then, while we as individual believers have the opportunity let us do good. There's just certain points as you go through this scripture. Let us do good. Every one of us, that's, that's the call of God upon our life. Let's do good to one another. Not only being, um, sorry, to all people, not only being helpful, but also doing that which promotes the spiritual well-being. And especially... Be a blessing to those who are of the household of faith. Those who are born again believers. I just love the way, it's the amplified version. I love the way it puts it. Do good. You know, what, what, do, what do people in the world call Christians? Do-gooders. Well, that's what we are. Because that's what the Bible says we are to do. For one another, but also for those who are outside of the body of Christ. Promote spiritual well-being, but especially be a blessing to those who are of the household of faith. Now, as much as our call is to go into the world, our call is also to minister to one another and be a blessing to one another. We can, we can be on this pendulum swing, oh, we've got to reach our world, and yes, we do. But we can be on a pendulum swing where we run all the way over here and that is all we do. We do outreach and we're meeting the needs of others and we're pouring out to others. But actually, it doesn't say that. It says, be a blessing, especially to those who are of the household of faith, building relationship, building 
um, a, a strength within the household of God. Can you imagine the days of, of when Nero was in charge and how the church as a family were knitted together that if one person died, the rest of the family came alongside that orphan child and they took them under their wing and they brought them up. That's what the family of God is all about. That's when the family, the body of Christ, really is a bunch of believers, shows its strength. When someone um, lost their land, the rest of them came together. They sold what they had and then they provided for one another. You see it throughout the book of Acts. I believe that we as the spiritual household of faith need to be being an especial blessing to one another. I believe we have a unique opportunity to support one another, to encourage one another, but also to come together united to see the kingdom of God outworked in our life. And that can be outworked in fellowship, because fellowship, you know, what, you know the Bible clearly says what fellowship has dark with light. When that word fellowship is talked about, it means the fellowship of like-minded like-hearted believers where we sit down we chill out we relax and have food where we share the scriptures where we share the love of God where we pray for one another but it's not exclusive to that because we also go into the world and by our love for one another the world will know that we are his disciples so every one of us we do have a part to play oh you may not be invited to be a part of the team playing or singing on stage I've not been invited yet and I've been in the church I started the, the, the whole thing and no one's invited me to come and sing on the stage I wonder why I've not been invited to play an instrument but I do car park I do welcome I do prayer requests I do the preach I'll do anything if, if I could do I would be out there doing kids um, because it's, it's about the next generation who are coming through, that you inspire them, that you encourage them, that they capture something that's in your heart that stirs within them a passion for God themselves. And we've got, to, we've got all of us have a role to play in this journey moving forward. We all have a part in this kingdom to outwork. And I guess like with any natural home or dwelling place, there are many rooms. There are different rooms in your home for different purposes. The living room, the bedroom, the dining room, the bathroom, they all have a unique part to play in your journey in your own home. I've never tried to sleep in the kitchen or in the bathroom, and I've certainly never tried to have a shower in the living room. Why? Because each room has its own unique purpose. And do you know what? The household of God is like that as well. They are rooms. There are rooms for a specific purpose. I'm going to read this from uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3. And it's going to be verse 14. We'll start there. It says, these things I write to you. Paul is writing to Timothy. He says, these things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly. But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God. What is Paul saying? He's saying there is a way, there is an order. It's not a free-for-all. There is an order in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar 
and ground of truth. Paul is saying there is a means and a way. I guess he perhaps was highlighting the church at Corinth. We go back to the church at Corinth and the and, and the absolute mess that they were in, the behaviour that they lived by, the the, the the sin that was going on in the church. And, you'll, and he must have been saying, "Look, I've been dealing with with Corinth. I want I want you to know, Timothy, this is how you're meant to be conducting yourself and the other believers." In the household of faith. Another translation puts it this way. You will know how people should act in God's family. There is a way in which we should behave. There is a a manner in which we should conduct ourselves. You will know how people should act in God's family. The family of God is the church. The family of God is the church of the living God. It is the pillar and the foundation of the truth. You may be an individual, a single person. Roy, you are family. You've been family for the years that you've been in church. You know, I have my own unique name for it, Roy. Royzini or Royzy. He's part of the family. And that's how we should all feel in church. We, Roy may not be at my house every day, every week, every month, or even year by year. But it's like other members of my own personal family. My aunts and uncles don't come to my house probably every five or ten years. But they're still family. Still care for them, still love them, still have a heart for them. But we are the family of, the, of God. The church. The church is Family. And if we can keep that in mind in the journey of our life, that, that we, when we come to church, we come to worship God, absolutely. He is the head of the church. But we also come to be with family. Some of my family are Scottish. Some of my family are Welsh. Some of my family are Caribbean. Some of my family are African. Some of my family are odd. Some of them are, are noble. But we're, we're family. And it's the beauty of our uniqueness that, that comes together, that cements us to be something that is unique beyond anything that you'll see in the world. Family, church, is something that represents family well. I love the fact that we've got the elderly of 80s and over, and we've got littlies that are being born into the family, and that cycle of life is what family is in the natural and is what family church is in the natural, in the spiritual. So I want us to break down this evening for those at home and those who are here, I want to break down some of these rooms because if there are natural rooms in our natural house, I believe there are spiritual rooms in the spiritual house and Paul is saying this is how you ought to behave. Our Sunday mornings... I guess our Sunday mornings would represent, if you like, the living room of our house. That place where we come together, we enjoy our spiritual family, we enjoy the presence of God, and we learn of him. That's the living room where where I wouldn't have someone knock on the front door of my house who I don't know, and they come in and, um, and say, oh, we're just doing a survey. I wouldn't let anyone in right now, but I'm just doing a survey. Can I come in? I wouldn't lead them up to my bedroom. That, 
that's just a no-go, isn't it, with everybody. But you'd lead them into your living room. It's amazing that what we're trying to produce on a Sunday morning is the living room of God's house where anybody from off the street would come in and hopefully feel at ease and comfortable. If they were coming into another room of, of our own house, it would be odd, weird, and just not how it should be. But for them to come into the living room where we're worshipping, where we're praying, where we're engaging with one another, that's the living room of our house, the spiritual living room. In many ways, I guess our connect groups would be classed as our dining room. I don't know how many of you do connect groups around the dining room. I remember when we used to do our connect group when Family Church started. It was around the dining room of John and Julia um, and, and we were just Richards, and we would have a, a, just a, a whale of a time. It was hilarious. We'd play, what was the game, Forks or something. It was hilarious. This, and, we, and we was just getting to know each other and connected. But it was all around the dining room table. And, and around the dining room table, we would have meaningful fellowship. Just really getting to know, not, not the, the veneer, of our life, because that very often happens on a Sunday morning. It's more of the veneer. But in the dining room, you get into the chipboard, or if it's quality wood, you get into the grain of what's going on in someone's life. But very often, everything's made of chipboard these days. So you get into the chipboard of each other's life, the, the nitty gritty of what's going on in each other's world. We don't have time to share everybody's concerns or struggles or what's going on in their life on a Sunday. I try and get around as many as I can. It's just not going to happen. But when you're in a small group and you're, you've got a, uh, a small group leader, uh, a connect group leader, and they become your pastoral team, that they, they're there to support you in your journey. They get into the nitty gritty of that connection with one another, doing life, spending time building deeper fellowship, doing life together, building what I believe are long life friendships. That's where you may not be able to do that on a Sunday morning so well, but what you do in the dining room of your week through the week suddenly becomes more evident on a Sunday morning when you see each other and you really care for one another. Then we've got the kitchen. The kitchen is that place where often you're preparing food, tasty morsels, I wrote down here, food, feeding and nourishment. How would I describe the kitchen of, of our spiritual home? It would be what we represent in our discipleship, the discipleship courses or the teaching courses that we put on, those things that encourage spiritual growth or spiritual nourishment in our life that we move from the milk of God's word into the, the meat of God's word. That's not going to necessarily, you know, if I, if I taught the meat, the depths of, of the Hebrew and the Latin and the, and the construction of this, that and the other, anyway, I, I sat under that when I was a young person and I was bored out of my brains and I thought, why would I even want to sit under this? But you know what? That can be what happens in the nourishment, in the depths and the discovery and the, and the EBAs and whatever teaching. We can go into the deeper, but also bring that into the connect groups where we can discuss in a deeper way and more meaningful way. We want the living room to be a place where people don't go scratching their heads thinking, what was all that about? 
that they get it, they understand it, they go out changed and transformed. We go out enlightened and encouraged, and then we come into our smaller group and, and bring out the meat of God's word together. And then I guess there is that devotional, that personal devotional time. And I guess that would, that would represent our intimacy with God in worship. That can be on a Sunday morning where you, or Sunday evening, I, I love worship. I absolutely, why, why I wasn't born with the voice of an angel, I don't know. Um, but I love worship. I love to sing. To stand there and not sing is probably one of the hardest things I've had to do in, in the spiritual endeavours of my life. Because I, I bellow out. You know, I, the guys on the drums can hear me sing sometimes. It's like, how? So to be quiet and, and be in the presence of God. But that's intimacy with God. The word, the word worship means to come forward to kiss. When we're in worship, we worth, he is, he's worth everything that we give to him. He is worthy of it all. As we draw near to him. And, and I guess the Bible says that he washes us with the washing of his word. What would be, that would be the bathroom. That would be that place where we're in, in that place where he, we're allowing his word in our heart. Through our devotional time where we're connecting with him. Where we're hearing the word preached right now. We're allowing the word of God to wash us on the inside. To spiritually do a work in our heart. But then there's also those moments when we draw near to him. And he draws near to us. What is that? That's pure intimacy with God. Where we begin to feel the breath of God upon our face. Where we begin to feel those intimate moments. Lord, here I am. You know me. Cleanse me. Make me whole in your presence. Forgive me of my past. I'm all yours. Total surrender before him. What a beautiful place. Now that can't necessarily happen in every moment, in every sphere of our Christian walk. But we can unlock the door of worship between you and him in your own personal time or in a, 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 in, in a connect group or on a Sunday where you abandon who you are in total surrender. But no one else knows what's going on in the heart and in the divine connection between you and him. There are many rooms in our life. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19 and to 19 to 22 says this. So... You are not foreigners or guests. Oh, I, I, could, I could stop there. I could preach for a little while, but I'm aware time keeps going. We are not foreigners. Think of it. You're, you're not a foreigner before God. You're not a guest who he welcomes in and then sends you on your way again. But rather you are children of the city of the holy ones. With all the rights as family members of the household of God. You have all the rights as members of the family. You know, Sam has a key to the house. He can come and go as he pleases whenever he wants to. Why? Because he's a member of the household of the Wood family. Even those who have left home still have a key. They have the right to come and go as they please. 
But Phil, if I gave you my keys, my big set of keys, which I've left in the van, if I gave you my big set of keys with my front door, don't keep trying every key to come in in the middle of the night. It's just, no. but you have the right to your home. You, you have the right to the keys to this room, to this building. You have the keys to the building. I have the keys to the building. Who else? Glade's got the keys to the building. Why? Because you have the right. Every one of us have the right to come to this building. Why? Because we're family members. We have the rights as family members of the household of God. Listen to this. You are rising like perfectly fitted stones of the temple. Who's the, we are the temple, but each one of us represents a stone. As we build stone upon stone... It says, and your lives have been built together, stone upon, upon the foundation laid by the apostles and the prophets. And best of all, you are connected to the head cornerstone of the building, the anointed one, Jesus Christ himself. The entire building is under construction. Right now, we, in many senses, have been de deconstructed. There are those who are still on spiritual furlough who need to come off a spiritual furlough and, and take a hold of their stone and begin to connect it to other stones and other stones so that the building of the house and the temple of God comes back together as it should have been. And, and the entire building is under construction, is in continually growing under his supervision until it rises up completed as the holy temple of the Lord himself. This means that God is transforming each one of you into the holy of holies, his dwelling place through the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. What an incredible picture this is. You are a stone. Juliet, you're a stone. Building upon the stone where Julie is. Building upon the stone. Building upon the stone. Building upon the stone where the presence of God begins to fill the temple. And we are the temples individually, but corporately, we are the household of God. Your stone matters. Stephen, I was going to call you Phil. Stephen, your stone matters. When your stone is not in place, those of you who are at home, you're a stone that needs to be in place so that we can be this construction coming together. We need every stone to say, here I am, Lord, use me. Use my life. We were talking about this earlier on this afternoon. Um, what was the scripture on Quoted. I can't remember either. When Christ, who is my life, when, when Christ is our life, we abandon everything about us. Think about the disciples. When Jesus, he said, come follow me. They, they didn't say, look, I'm mending my father's nets. I'm busy about my father's business. They said, that's it. They turned their back on it and they followed him. All to Jesus, I surrender. You may be thinking at home right now, oh, well, I've got a family and I've got a wife and I've got a job to do. Yeah, we, we, I understand that. We all have. But all to Jesus, I surrender. I surrender all. Do you know what? When your family see you surrender to God, they will want to follow the example that you lead. 
is when they see you half in, half out, half committed, half not. When our families see us all to Jesus, I surrender. That's the moment that the penny would drop. They believe what they're doing. They are wholehearted, not half-hearted. A family member. Are we living as household members of the household of God? Playing our part, positioning our stone with all the other stones. See, it's only when we are collectively building on all these stones that we will collectively see the temple of God and him filling it. We all have a holy calling. Barbara, you have a holy calling. And, it's, and that holy calling may be on hosting. It may be on car park. It may be cleaning up once everyone's... You have, that can be a holy calling. Whatever it is that we do before God is a holy calling. Just because I'm out here or you're out here doing a praise and worship, that's not more holy than washing the toilets. It's the heart in which we do anything that God calls us to do or if there's a need. It, it's down to the heart. Washing the toilets or positioning cars are as vital as preaching the word and leading the worship when our heart is in the right place. That's key to everything that we do. It's all about our heart. A holy calling, absolutely. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 9 says this, Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling? He saved you and called you. He hasn't saved you to let you sit and do nothing. He saved you and called you. If you're saved and you're not fulfilling a calling, then there's something missing in the process. He saved you and called you, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Can I just encourage you and everybody else listening, whether you're listening now, live, or when you're catching up, you have a holy calling. Are you saved and called and outworking that or are you allowing your stone which God wants to build on collectively is that stone just laid laid aside on its own ask yourself this question if I were to die tonight and I stood before Jesus would I be able to say I have been busy doing what he called me to do That's an incredible question to ask. Have I been busy doing what he called me to do? And I've got three things, and I'm aware time is up. Nearly up. I'll pray. First one is this. Am I truly following Jesus with all my heart? When he turned to his disciples and said, Peter, James, John, come follow me, they left their nets and they followed Jesus. Matthew left his tax collecting and he followed Jesus. Simon the Zealot left his, his, his tribal gang of, of renegades, he left them and followed Jesus. They left and they followed. Are we truly following Jesus with all our heart? See, when Jesus said some things, 
The disciples that were following him, there were many at that time, not just the 12, not just the 70, not just the 120, not just the 500. There were multitudes that were following him. And then he spoke some really tough and difficult words. And they said, forget it, Jesus, we're no longer following you. And then he turned to the rest of the disciples that were left and said, are you going to? And they said, where would we go? You hold the words of eternal life. Are we truly following Jesus with all of our heart? Second thing would be this. Am I passionately serving the local church? What is that? The family. Are we serving the family? Are we serving the bride? The local church. And are we giving ourselves to what Jesus said he would build? See, at some point, we're going to get to a point where we, we, we retire. And then we say, you know, once, I, once, I haven't, once I'm not so busy at work, or once my children have grown up, or once I've retired, or once I get old and I'm not able to do it. That time will come so quickly for some that you think, I wish I'd been busy about my father's business here rather than there when I thought I was going to be busy, but now I can't. What we need to be is busy in the household of faith. The body of Christ, the bride, the church that Jesus said he would build. And the third thing is this. Am I fulfilling the great commission by telling others of the love of God and the work that Jesus accomplished on the cross for them? Three simple things as we gather and build. I believe those three things could be our life statement. Those things could be our vision. Every Christian's vision statement. This is what they live for. This is what they would die for. And in some nations, they literally do. Am I a true follower of Jesus with all my heart? Am I passionately serving the local church, the bride of Christ, the church that Jesus said he would build? Or, and, and am I fulfilling the great commission by telling others of the love of God and the work that he did for them at the cross? Let that be our vision statement. Let it be the, the thing that is our values in life. Because we all have a part to play in the household and the kingdom of God. I'm going to miss some things. And I'm going to finish with this last scripture. <clears throat> in 1 Peter 2 verse 4 and 5. or four to, Yeah, 4 and 5. It says this. The Lord, this is, an, this is another one where it talks about stones. The Lord Jesus is the living stone. The people of the world decided that they did not want this stone, but he is the one God chose as one of great value. So come to him. I love that. Come, come to him. You know, if, if he's the one of great value, if he is who he says he is, then come to him. You are also, you also are like living stones. And God is using you to build a spiritual house. You serve God in this house as holy priests, offering him spiritual sacrifices that he will accept because of Jesus Christ. I tell you what, you are a stone. Tim, you're a, you're a stone. You're a stone. Here it says, come to him. Come. Come to him. Because you're a living stone. You are the spiritual house 
We, collectively, are his spiritual house that he's building. Everyone at home tonight, you are needed in the building of God's spiritual house. You may be contemplating whether you stay on spiritual furlough. You may be considering what your next move would be like. Can I encourage you to be a part of this journey as we gather family and we build team and we change communities? We need you and we need each one here in this room tonight. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you have called us with a holy calling. Lord, help us to see as we gather and build the value of the stone of our life. Connected to the chief cornerstone, the anointed Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to see our value. Not just that we do, not just that we are having to, to make that happen and make that happen. But Lord, help us to see the eternal value as we serve you here on earth. Lord, may we see the eternal value that that may have on others in finding you. Lord, take this word tonight and may it drop down into our heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. We'll be back this time next week. We would love for you to join us here. Please make sure you register and join us on, online or here in person.